Well, JB, looks like you really uh, enjoyed the entire experience. You got a little swag there from the stag bowl. Uh, I mean, hey, I, I, it must have been a heck of a game or something if you uh, got all that stuff. Well, I would have liked to have made it to the concourse and gotten like a t-shirt and a hat or something. But overall, the best part about that weekend will be the, the memories of just being on the sideline with you, watching one of the best football games I've ever seen. And what a, a great culmination to our 15th year of doing this podcast to be there in person with you uh, along the way. What a, what a great uh, finale for D3 football. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have a lot more about that. Obviously, this is our last calendar year episode of season 16. We don't flip to season 17 until the preseason. So, you know, stay tuned for all that. And obviously, we're uh, going to do a lot in this show. We're going to give you key moments from the uh, game. We're going to have interviews from Cortland players. We're going to have NCAA President Charlie Baker, an interview with him. And we're going to take your questions and also give some memories of at least what's happened so far in season 16. Uh, who knows what else could happen here uh, in the off season? Hopefully good stuff, not bad stuff, as uh, sometimes we've encountered <laughs> right, along right. the way. But uh, yeah. listen, let's uh, roll right into it. This is season 16 post-Stag Bowl edition of In the Huddle. Well, folks, uh, one for the record books for sure. Uh, and uh, my co-host was uh, able to get there uh, at the right time, the right place, and everything else there. Uh, he's got a little sunshine on him, a little shade behind him right now. You can tell uh, in South Florida. Yeah, he's he's taking the warm weather. I'm South up in Central. like 20 degrees. Yeah, whatever, close enough. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, you know, you, for a minute there, you brought some 62-degree temperatures, and then when that sun went down, it got cold on that field in the Roanoke Valley. So um, we enjoyed uh, the experience immensely. Let's talk the game to start the show. JB, you don't need to give me a 30,000-foot view. You can give me a ground-level view of this game because you were there. Let's talk about the key moments uh, that you saw generally, and then we'll actually roll some video of uh, this in terms of a uh, slowed down version of crunch time. Hit it. Tale of two halves. You had the defensive uh, first half with neither team able to find the end zone until literally with 57 seconds left, uh, North Central punches it in. We thought it was a rushing touchdown for, for Coleman from the Cardinals, but I guess apparently it was a shovel pass, at least at the halftime stats. That's what they said. Um, you know, but he, he had a, a fantastic game, and that was the first score uh, of the day. A um, penalty out of bounds, a, a late hit, kind of helped uh, Cortland get into field goal position. They converted, made it 7-3 uh, to three at the half, and then all of a sudden – we had touchdowns galore. It was like, you know, the there were fireworks when the teams took the field, but really the fireworks happened in the second half when there was, I, I don't know, I have to do the math, but it's close to 10. There were close to 10 touchdowns or nine touchdowns, something like that. It was crazy back and forth action. Um, Zach Boys really just took his game to a whole nother level on the national stage. 
and those three wide receivers of the Red Dragons just proved to be a little too much. Even though NCC racked up 404 rushing yards, they, they ran the ball at will, and Cortland could not run the ball against this Cardinals defense. But it was those wide receivers, Lapp, Burgess, and Joey Cutler. Adivio! Yeah, that's right. Scoring touchdowns. Mud on! Two, Mud on! Two yeah, yeah. We had the you know the Strong Island connection there, and it was a defensive effort at the end um, that saved the day. I think it was Martinez and, and Gene Lubin with the tackle. Um, we talked a lot about that in episode 350 of Around the Nation. It was fun to be a part of that um, roundtable, you know, late at night after the game to kind of reflect on everything. If you haven't listened to that one, please check it out. Um, I mean, what a what a fantastic game. Let's talk about it. Let's go straight to the highlights here. I got 10 minutes to talk to you folks. We're going to do it in real time. Let's see how well this goes with 10 minutes of uh, nothing but Stag Bowl clips here, JB. You ready? Oh, you got your Stag Bowl ticket. Let's you just want to have the memory while we go through this. Here we go. Corlin versus North Central. And it started out as a game that looked like North Central was going to roll early here. As you uh, said, Charles Coleman here in this third and two play gets 29 yards to get down to the 28-yard line of Cortland. And then on a matching third and two coming up here, you're going to see Charles Coleman again, a nine-yard gain for the first down to the 11-yard line. However, you're going to see here uh, on this next play something that was a key moment that I kind of lost track of myself. Joe Sacco is going to be stopped for no gain here, but a penalty flag will come out. You can see at the bottom part of your screen what happened there, but we're going to slow it down and show you that the defender uh, or the offensive player from North Central blocks the defender into the official, and that led to a 15-yard penalty. Ultimately, fourth and 17 from the 18-yard line. Luke Lanen had a chance here, rolls to his right side, looking in the end zone. D'Angelo Hardy off his fingertips. It was an incredibly tough catch to make there, uh, but incomplete. So they come away with no points after seven minutes in 45 seconds on that drive. Keep that in mind. We'll go to the next uh, North Central drive. Third and five here in Joe Sacco. A 49-yard gain to Cortland 15. Okay, so they're resolving that problem from the first drive, right? No problems here. First quarter ends. Second quarter's first play is going to be coming up here. Fourth and four, Luke Lanen. Uh, looks a little uh, lost right there. He couldn't figure out where to go with it, and he is sacked, strip, fumble, and recovery by Cortland. That is the only turnover in this game officially right there. Jack Whiney credited with the recovery. We'll go to Cortland's second drive. This is going to be a fourth and sixth play. Zach Boys, he finds Joey Cutlets right there. Joe Idevio to the 12-yard line. And or officially the 13, they said. First down, but fourth and two. And you're going to see an interesting play call on fourth and two. Roll to the right side. Zach Boys can't get there. And so still no score midway through the second quarter in this game. Third and 18 for Luke Lanen. And uh, here we go. He shows his inner Zach Boys apparently here. A 24-yard carry to the right side complete or not complete but a first down but a 15-yard penalty for sideline interference would push him back a little bit eventually though with a minute left in the uh, first half you're going to see this touchdown run charles coleman finally finds the house and it's a seven to zero lead north central 
We're going to flip sides here, though, with 11 seconds left in this first half. Zach Boyd's looking to uh, run. He's got to get out of bounds. He will get out of bounds, and he's assisted in that run out of bounds with a penalty flag. And you're going to see my perspective, essentially, here of this play. That push, and one more perspective. Looks like he hit the uh, chalk and then was pushed, and so looks like a good call. Leads to a field goal attempt here, and Mike Beloga is good from 31 yards out in a halftime. Exactly the game we expected, seven to three, uh, North Central lead. Uh, you know, not, nothing unusual about this. We look at the first half stats. So two sixty three to one forty six, but North wow. Central only had a four point lead, eighteen to eleven in time possession. Third quarter, Cole Burgess. Looks for a pass from Zach Boys, and he is incomplete, out of bounds. Oh, so sorry. Oh, wait. After further review, we're going to uh, review it with them here. Cole Burgess looks to toe tap as he gets the ball, and we're going to stop at the moment we feel there's possession, and right there you can see his left foot is on the ground at the very least, maybe even the right foot. And after review, the call is reversed. Touchdown. The biggest lead of the season against North Central for any team was 10-7 to right there. But North Central's Joe Sacco gets a four-yard touchdown run to respond with 6.34 left third quarter. 14-10, to North Central takes the lead back in this game. 13 seconds later, J.J. Lapp, they kept trying to get it to him. He was injured at one point in the first half. He gets two steps on his defender, and he finds the house. 65-yard touchdown pass from Zach Boyce makes it 17-14. Cortland with the lead. Three minutes later, they decide North Central finally to go with the kicking game. Sean Reinick gets this 24-yard field goal to tie it up 17 apiece. So 316 left third quarter. We are tied. Let's go to a Zach Boyd's moment of moments here. First and 10 from the Cortland 37. And he will find daylight for 27 yards and the first down. This is key because the first play of the fourth quarter, tied at 17, will be Joe Idevio from nine yards out. Zach Boyd's finding him. For the touchdown, 24-17. Now the new biggest lead of the season, seven points against North Central. And Joe Idevio says, Modon on that play. Let's go to Luke Lanen as he finds D'Angelo Hardy in the next drive. And he just gets tripped up. 59-yard gain to the four-yard line of Cortland. First down, obviously, there. But with 13.39 left in the fourth quarter, Luke Lanen gets a four-yard touchdown run on this rollout to the left side, ties it back up 24 apiece. So that's, what, two touchdowns already in the fourth quarter. Let's go to another Zach Boys great moment here. He rolls out on second and 10. He it looks like he only gets nine yards, but they automatically review the spot and look at him extend, knowing where that stick was. He gets 11 yards, Johnny in fact, on, on that. Absolutely. And that's going to eventually lead to a big play here for Cortland. Joe Idevio just gets into the end zone. 31-24. Modon! We've got a game still here with Cortland leading. And so... You can see North Central dejected, but not out of it, thanks to Luke Lanen. 7-16 left fourth quarter. Ultimately, it's going to be a 64-yard touchdown run by the North Central quarterback. There we are. 
31, 31. Yes, you can see us in the picture, but I, let's watch Luke Lehman because he's more important in this picture, tying up the game. Huge play coming up here, though, as Zach Boyds and his team facing fourth and five at the 42-yard line. He's sacked. No, he's not sacked. He rolls right. He finds daylight. He gets a great block up front there, and he gets the first down. Oh, my goodness. Play. We're going to watch this a couple of times. First off, again, he, he was dead to rights right there. And then when you look at yep. the head-on view of this play, my God, how did he miss Zach? Boys, oh, my goodness. Ugh. But this ultimately leads wow. to... A big play, third and one, Cole Burgess takes the swing pass to the left side, and I thought in real time he was out of bounds. He Right in front of me there, you can see me backing off, and touchdown. that is a touchdown, and we're going to show you the uh, tiptoe view here, and you're going to see nothing That's but where green I was. between his That was his my shoe. vantage point. Yep, I was right with you I there. I was in the end zone and for that. He, he was just good there so 38 31 but of course it's not over yet as is d'angelo hardy two plays later getting this 60 yard pass he jukes the defense 38 37 at this point and coach spencer says i am gonna go for two with a minute 20 left in this game and you can see this big play here two-point conversion play rolls to the right oh wait a minute sprint right is stopped timeout Time portland out. So remember that was sprint right. That was a sprint right there. So here comes the actual two-point conversion play. Where does it go? Sprint left. And it is stopped. Naj, Gene Lubin, and Jade Martinez especially combined on this tackle. We're going to take a closer look at it as he's calling for his hands team is Kurt Fitzpatrick. Always Johnny on the spot with his uh, coaching out there, making sure they're ready. But again, watch here as Lanin begins to try to make a turn. He's stopped by uh, Gene Lubin, and Jade Martinez helps drag him down the rest of the way. And then yep. a, a whole group of Cortland defenders get there. Of Cortland Dragons, yeah. Here is the attempt at the onside kick. It is taken in easily by Cortland, but they still needed one first down here with two timeouts for North Central. And here you go. The first play from scrimmage after the onside kick. It's Ashton Capone sliding down smartly, getting the first down, effectively ending the game is Ashton Capone there because there wasn't enough time left for North Central. Give Zach Boys a ring, ladies and gentlemen. He yeah. is feeling it what at this point. He, he, uh, you can see the Cortland crowd feeling it as well with him. And here comes the final kneel down and the win. Cortland wins the national championship of 2023 in Stag Bowl 50, 38-37 over North wow. Central. And unbelievable. An unbelievable uh, time there for him. Uh, NCC outgained Cortland 583 to 503 total yards. Uh, the time of possession was 21 to 9 in the second half in favor of hmm. Cortland. It flipped around. One turnover by either team total was the NCC fumble. Zach Boys, 26 for 34, 349 yards, five passing touchdowns, 123 rushing guards. In addition, Cole Burgess, 11 catches, two touchdowns. Joe Idevio, eight receptions, two touchdowns. Joe Sacco for North Central, though, 157 yards, one touchdown for him. Luke Lane, eight for 17, 179 yards, two passing touchdowns, 115 rushing yards of his own, and two rushing touchdowns. Cortland's uh, linebacker, Jade Martinez, 10 tackles, but BJ Adamchik, for North Central, 18 tackles on the night wow. as Cortland's defense had four tackles for a loss. Wow, is 
Right. Congratulations, Cortland. Congratulations, yeah. North Central, for playing your butts off in a game that, you know, look, nobody gave Cortland the credit. Nobody thought they could do it. It really came down to that, it seemed no. like, except for Cortland themselves. And, you know, just reviewing those plays and reviewing that game, JB, I got to say that there were moments where this game could have easily slipped away from Cortland and they responded to the bell each time. But that fourth and five play by Zach Boys to avoid that sack. Yeah. And I mean, he was dead to rights, gone in that whole situation and finds daylight still in that situation. That was huge because it led to the Cole Burgess touchdown and ultimately yep. changed the course of the ending of that game. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I think with a week to sort of process it and some of the conversations that we got to have with sort of people in the know after the game, I think that really um, the big difference maker, other than obviously boys playing outstanding, and he won the most outstanding player of Stag Bowl 50 for good reason. But I think the tape of the um, Wisconsin lacrosse game really helped the Red Dragons with the respective, like, hey, if you have a mobile athletic quarterback like Boys or Kaiser Heltebrand and a defense that can bend but not break, you have a chance. And I think the difference between Cortland and lacrosse is that the Dragons had three um, basically all-American level wide receivers when you look at it. I mean, maybe they, they didn't all win the award, but as far as, like, national level uh, of skill – that, that was the difference maker, um, and maybe if lacrosse had a couple more guys you know, that could catch the ball, I mean, Helterbrand really had to kind of carry that um, game, but that game plan, I think, is really where the Red Dragons gave themselves a chance to be in this game, and then when it was 7-3 and three, seven to three at the half, I'm sure they were like, hey, why not us? And so they did their thing and uh, made the plays when they had to. The defense came up with some big stops. Coach Fitz made some amazing coaching calls. That timeout on the two-point conversion was big. You know, basically took away the first play. They went with the second option, and the defense was ready for it. That's just coaching right there. And, um, you know, I, I just thought that was fantastic. And, and how exciting for the Cortland fans. There were a lot of them there in Salem. I got to check out the tailgate party. Uh, and it was really loud. It was th that, That's what made the, the game that much more special, I think, Frank, because Salem, that stadium is the perfect size for a D3 national championship. There was probably, I don't know, I think 3,000 to 3,500 people there. It was a big enough crowd where you felt the energy. There was the, you know, the cheering, the band, the, the whole thing. It was, it was really a perfect environment uh, for that, and both teams brought it and gave us one of the best D3 championships, at least in the modern era of D3 football. Couldn't said it better myself, my friend. Uh, ultimately, uh, it was a celebration that was a long-lasting one uh, into the night, obviously, yeah. and then up I-81 as the uh, day developed on Saturday. Uh, word got out that they were going to have a celebration in Cortland. Uh, I had reached out to Mayor Scott Steve there, and he told me that they were going to do some stuff uh, around 5 o'clock. 5 turned into about 7 by the end of it, but, uh, you know, had traffic, and then they got a convoy of first responder vehicles to join uh, the buses uh, in. Uh, they got nice. fireworks as well uh, and a, a crowd in the uh, plaza of the uh, Cortland Stadium, football stadium area. 
uh, and a big group there, showing some video, obviously, of it. Uh, but uh, as well, I, I got a couple interviews, or a few interviews, technically, uh, here. First off, talk to Cole Burgess and Zach Boys about the response, how it felt at that point, because, you know, a little less than 24 hours later and everything, uh, what they were thinking, and what happens next here, essentially. Here's our interview. Okay, guys, it's been a little less than 24 hours since uh, you carried the walnut and bronze off the field in Salem. How's it feel, Zach? Unbelievable. Um, this has been really cool, man, just to see the support we've gotten from the community, um, from the school. Um, it's unbelievable. It really is. This is why you come to Cortland, man. And it's just, uh, I'm just so happy to be able to do it with these guys, and um, especially for the school. Cole, I didn't get to talk to you after the game last night. Uh, a lot of other people did get a chance, but uh, you did say to me, why are you always picking against us, Frank, or something to that effect? Uh, you know, was that the motivating factor for you guys coming through that week? No, I think the motivating factor was just knowing that we can compete with the best of them, and we showed that. But uh, it definitely helped a little bit, you know, seeing we saw something like stat after we beat Endicott, and it said that we had a 1.1% chance of winning. So, like, that's kind of going around the internet right now, and that's – that's that. It's definitely motivating seeing that, and we prove them all wrong. It's feels good. Heroes, welcome uh, coming into uh, the city tonight. Oh, yeah. uh, Mayor Steve here uh, to kind of lead the charge in that. And did you ever, when you came to Cortland, envision this moment? I mean, we've heard his uh, whole you know vision yeah. uh, and everything he does. But did you vision envision any of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when I was getting recruited here by Coach Fitz, it's something that we talked about. Um, we talked about being the beast of the East. That's been our motto the last last couple of, couple of years. And um, you know, we just this is just a stepping stone for this program. Um, so we knew it wasn't going to be easy. We knew it was going to be hard. Um, but our class and the guys I came in with really took pride in that. Um, we we bought into everything Coach was saying, and you know, we wanted to put on for for Northeast football, and we wanted to be the new guys that kind of to uh, ruin the party of uh, of everybody else. Um, so yeah, I always envisioned. It, um, I didn't think that I, it was going to be uh, this in, this intense, but you know it's been. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that I would ever have a have a doubt that we weren't going to be in this moment. Last night in the game, I'm not going to say trash talking was ensuing early on, but it seemed to dissipate into just pure football in the second half. Give me the mood out there, especially uh, with your offense against their defense. How did things change in that first half to the second half, Cole? Um, I feel like we were just executed better. We were out there. We were just we just an intense focus. You could just sense that on the team. like, And it was the same for them, too. There really wasn't much trash talk going on because it was just two teams focusing on themselves, as the great teams do, and, and it showed. I mean, we both both sides of the game, both sides of the, both sides of the, of the ball played well. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, just focus, just focus. Okay, Zach, I, I did not know the story until today. Greg Thomas told me this little uh, fact that you missed school when you were nine years old to go see Wisconsin Whitewater oh, yeah. uh, hosting Buffalo State. Mm -hmm. That was a huge upset in Division Three football, one of the largest I can remember in my time around the game. How does last night rank compared to that game? Uh, this is definitely this. This last night was definitely definitely better since I was more involved. But that, that game was will always have an impact on me. That's where I tell everybody I fell in love with the game of football. You know, we were there's not a one person that believed believed in that team, but those guys in the locker room. And um, you know, they just went out there and, and shocked the world. And uh, you know, I kind of had had that chip on my shoulder um, going into this game. You know, no one thought that we were going to be able to do it. Um, 
to North Central's credit, man, they're an unbelievable team. Um, and they've been rolling people the last two years. Um, but we know what we had, and uh, I was confident in our guys. So this is definitely up there, though, you know, to have a little bit more of an impact on this game. Cool. What are you gonna, what's he going to do without you there to kind of take the female factor away <laughs> based on the uh, little conversation you guys had the other day about him and uh, the uh, chick magnet he is here at uh, uh, Cortland? I mean, uh, you're kind of done okay, in terms of your football, as you said yourself uh, here at Cortland. Uh, in all seriousness, you know, how does this team move on with you gone at this point? You seem to have some good receivers, that's for sure. Yeah, like like you said, it's not just me. It's JJ Lapp. It's Ashton Capone. It's there's there's, there's other seniors that we're missing or losing that's going to make a uh, big impact. Uh, but they'll, they'll be all right. I mean, we just won the national championship. We're going to get recruits. We're going to get transfers. We got guys that are going to step up step up next year. This team this team's going to be good. I mean, it's got to be bittersweet in that respect. You're going to lose guys like this, good friends of yours. But obviously, a lot of juniors and under played huge roles last night. Uh, Idivio, absolutely, uh, Martinez, yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, are you guys favorites heading into next year already? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't make the odds. I don't, I don't talk about any of that. But uh, you know, I'm very confident in the team that we're going to have next year. Um, we had a lot of freshmen play in that game, and a lot of guys play well. Um, we've turned a lot of guys on defense, and I'm definitely going to miss this guy and, uh, and JJ along with Ashton. Um, but we got some young guys in the, in, the, in the saddle, you could say, that learned under these guys um, that are ready. You know, they're going to have the opportunity to make a play. And, um, you know, I'm confident that Coach Fitz is definitely going to dial, dial up a, um, a great team for next year. And, uh, you know. But it's definitely going to be it's going to be different not having one five and four out there to, to throw the ball to. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so guys, you know the way it works. It's your last uh, chance at at least as a player here now. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm going to give you a chance for shout outs, family, friends, teammates, and uh, fans that made that long trek, 511 miles, and then some uh, for a huge game and a national championship. Take it away. Yeah, I'll just shout out my mom, my dad, my family, my friends, everybody back home in Greenwich, everybody in Coraline, my team, my quarterback. Yeah, baby. All my, all my seniors, just everybody, man. This has been a special run, and, and it's, it's not special without the people that were around it, too. So, uh, yeah, just shout out everybody. Yeah, man. Shout out everybody back home. Shout out to 716. Um, appreciate all the support you guys gave me this year, man. Um, shout out to our seniors, man, like this guy. Um, definitely going to miss you guys, man. Thank you for everything, for real. Um, and also just shout out to the, the, the school of Cortland, man. Shout out to uh, everybody that came back and supported. Um, can't, wait to, can't wait to have some fun tonight. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, we're not going to uh, belabor it anymore, but congratulations, national champs. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank go you. Dragons, baby. I also got to talk to Coach Kurt Fitzpatrick, and then we'll talk about uh, next season a little bit more after we hear from him about are they really the favorites or not next season? What's his thoughts? Here we go. So I'm going to start in an interesting way here. I was talking to Tom Perkovich earlier today, yeah. and uh, he sends his regards. Uh, and he's got a mixture of uh, happiness for you and for East Region football. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, a little disappointed with what could have been uh, for Susquehanna. But, yeah. you know, how many people have reached out to you today uh, or even last night from the coaching ranks to say, hey, we didn't necessarily see it coming, but congratulations? A lot. Yeah. And a lot, a lot, of, a lot of a lot of coaches. And it means a lot to me um, that they would that they would do that. Um, you know, us coaches in the northeast we got to stick together uh, we got to stick together because this you know a rising tide lifts all boats yeah. um, 
So yeah, uh, Coach Perk, he's a, he's a tremendous coach. In um, Susquehanna, you know they they took it to us earlier this year, and and um, we learned a lot from that game as we've talked about throughout throughout the season. And um, yeah, so you know his support there, you know. Um, uh, this year it was us. Next year, hopefully it's us again. But it could be someone else from from the Northeast making a run. I, I think I th I've been in the Northeast in D three my whole career. I I think teams are getting are getting better. I think you're seeing more non conference games out of region, um, and you're seeing teams compete. Um, Endicott beating Harden Simmons. You know Endicott, their defense is as good as they're very good. Um, and uh, you know, so that, that's one example. Grove City being another being another example. Um, you know, I think I think it. Um, it's not just just us winning this game last night that kind of raises the reputation of the East Region, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I think it's 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 more than just us. I think the East Region is getting is slowly getting getting better and more competitive nationally. Well, let me ask you one thing, though. It, the risk always of playoffs is that you don't get to hit the recruiting trail as hard as teams that are done with their seasons. Yeah. It's kind of an ironic twist. But winning a national championship on national television like you did last night has got to put the inbox on full mode. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. You know, how many high schoolers uh, hit you up and said, hey, uh, yeah. ab about that uh, Cortland uh, place, uh, yeah, maybe I want to yeah. come there. Yeah, recruiting is definitely, you know, um, Winning solves a lot of problems in recruiting, um, and we've got a great, great place here at Cortland. I mean, um, hundreds of people turn out to see us come back. We've got great support facilities, so um, yeah, recruiting is going is, is going to be going well. But we also missed our time on the road. You know, yep. we we try to do a lot of that work in the springtime. Um, we've kind of adjusted our cycle to try to do a lot of the road work in the spring. Not that we knew this was going to happen, but just to try to get it, get out ahead of it. Um, so hopefully our Early season spring recruiting work um, helps us uh, helps us a little bit. There's a lot of great programs who are uh, attractive to high, to high school uh, talented players. So, for as much as you're losing seniors and super seniors uh, to graduation, uh, a lot of people that played in that game and had special roles were freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, yeah. including Zach. Uh, Joe Idvio uh, was, you know, very special out mm -hmm. there. Probably uh, detracted from the defense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Giants quarterback yeah. over there. But uh, you know, you ha your defense obviously uh, has juniors. Uh, Jade Martinez last night looked like he was done for and is in on yeah. I think that last tackle on the two-point conversion. So I asked the guys earlier. Are you guys the favorites coming in based on all these key players for next year's national championship? Possibly, are you guys oh, the I favorites? I don't know. Um, I don't. I'd not, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say that we're the favorites necessarily. Um, there's a lot of really good teams um, across the country, and um, you know, we got a quarterback coming back that's pretty good. So I, I, I like that that part of our team. We do have a lot of great young players, um, guys that stepped up. Nas. Nas Gene Lubin yep. um, took his lumps early in the year. I think his first start ever was against Susquehanna. He had to cover Kyle, Kyle House, um, and took his lumps there. Uh -huh. uh, but he grew from that, you know. And um, you know, we have a freshman safety, Sam Cotton, who was a rookie of the year in the Empire Eight, that was injured and didn't play in the postseason. Um, he was out there signaling defensive signals for us last night and doing his part, you know. So our our future is bright. 
you know, are we the favorites? I don't know. Um, we just, I'm just, you know, trying to get get to the off season and get in the weight room and get bigger and stronger. You know, North Central's O line wasn't easy to play against. I'll say no that. Kidding. So uh, we definitely got some work to do. We want to keep continually getting better, but we also lose some seniors that are really that are really special. Burgess Lap, Mark Noel, Sam Maddy. We lose some really good players. You drive through uh, kind of the canyon of, uh, you know, heroes yeah. here uh, tonight, the way uh, things played out. And Mayor Scott, Steve, uh, credit to him and Fran and to the athletic director and everybody else for putting together what they did uh, kind of in a moment's notice uh, today. What were you feeling, thinking as you guys were driving in and seeing all that? Just very thankful. I mean, it, it's incredible. Um, the community support, it was crazy. I was like tearing up dri driving in. I was in the car with my wife. I had, uh, I had to share driving duties on the way back from Salem. So I wasn't on the bus. We were right in front of the bus and uh, I was tearing up coming down the road. Like the, the fact that this many people care about, um, and it was the same thing yesterday at the Stag Bowl, the Champions Walk when we arrived to see our fans, people that drove, you know, seven, eight, ten hours to to be there, yep. to greet us when we arrived. That That's a special uh, that was a special thing. Um, I was watching video uh, just a little while ago of, I think, after the two-point conversion failed, the crowd and the response from the crowd on your side of the field was as powerful as I can remember my yeah. 16 Stag Bowls. Uh, so, uh, and I was right. just worried. I was just worried about getting the hands team ready. Yep. We got to get the, you know, I'm thinking onside kick. Yeah, you know? I'm thinking you still need a first down. Yes, I was signaling up to Pat Coleman. Absolutely. I'm like, hold on, we're not done yet here. Yeah. But uh, then I, I think they were trying to let uh, Ashton uh, score, if I had to guess there. And he I think you're right. Didn't. Ashton is a very smart player. Yes, yeah. he is. Saratoga Springs. Saratoga <laughs> Springs. Yes, he is. That's right. Section two. There you go. And his brother plays for Balsam Spot, Peyton. Uh, so <laughs> okay. I got to throw that plug in. But, uh, Coach, you know, final thoughts here on the season. Uh, highs and lows and and in highs, obviously. Uh, some challenges in the playoffs. I've never seen a playoff run like that where mm. you struggle in the first two games and maybe two and a half games, let's say, yeah. and you end up winning the whole darn thing. <laughs> okay, this has been one for the books. How do you feel? What do you do to maybe take a deep breath here <laughs> after all this? Um, definitely is a bit is a bit surreal still. Um, I think our uh, the playoff run, um, our biggest strength in the playoff run was that we didn't care about how many we won by. That was a big thing last year, you know, in 2022, I, I think we've discussed this going into the Cortica Jug game in Yankee Stadium. We had we had, didn't trail at all that whole season. And uh, my fault, I was kind of short-sighted with our team. Like we were focused on the wrong things. And then this year we learned a lot of hard lessons from the end of last year and the loss to Susquehanna. And it wasn't about winning by how many, it was about winning finding a way to win, work together. Um, and it doesn't have to be pretty. You just got to score one more point than the other team. And that was kind of our motto throughout when we got to the playing Brockport for the Empire 8 championship and then into the Cortica Jug game. Our motto with our team is, you know, you just got to win by one. And fittingly, <laughs> fittingly, uh, we won last night by, by one. one. <laughs> the closest stag ball in history, actually. Uh, two points was the former closest. Uh, you have now the closest stag ball in history with the win. Uh, you asked me about this jacket, yeah. uh, why I'm still wearing it, and actually I'm going to give it to you. Uh, get out of here. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, though. We're going to do it for a good uh, cause here. I'm going to send you a gold marker, uh, gold sharpie, and ask you to have the team, uh, once everybody's back, uh, you know, after break yeah. and everything, sign it, and I'd like to auction it off, and uh, what we raise, we'll give to cancer research. 
I, I'm honored to do that. So, you know, because it does have the 50 on it. I won't try to put it on, though. Yeah, please don't. You can have me rip, but I'm going to give that to you, Fran. I'm sure it'll help out. Uh, Thank to you make very that much. Happen. Thank you. Happy to help. Congratulations to you, and uh, go enjoy it. I mean, Thanks, uh, it Frank. sounds like your players have some plans uh, tonight to enjoy it I'm over sure. here. So I'm good going for them. home to sleep. <laughs> I can't blame you, so am I. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks to uh, those players. Thanks to Fran Elia uh, of uh, Cortland, the SID. Uh, and, you know, thanks to Kurt Fitzpatrick, who was uh, very gracious all week long and giving yeah. us access and everything else. Uh, as was Coach Spencer of uh, North Central. They've been great mm-hmm. with us all along here. Uh, but, JB, Classic. the question they, that they want to uh, kind of avoid in certain ways, obviously, of whether or not they're favorites per se next season and, you know, a lot, lot of things to do before we even get there. Are they the favorites next season? Is North Central a favorite next season with Luke Lanham back as well? Because you've got Zach Boys back for Cortland. Yeah. And you've got Luke Lanham back for North Central. What are your thoughts here uh, going uh, into that way too early look ahead to 2024? Well, that's what the beauty of this game, Frank, is that there there are no favorites. I mean, this, this season showed us that anything is possible any given Friday night, any given Saturday. Um, there were probably more teams that could win than. I mean, we heard the chirping all season long from a handful of, of pretty obnoxious North Central fans how great they were, how they're going to just demolish everybody and they'll win by 70 and they'll, you know, they'll this and that and the other thing. But they, they had to eat a little bit of a humble pie because they finally ran into a team that was able to break that 29 game win streak. And I think the way that Cortland, who had to escape against an Endicott team, um, which could have potentially won that game. An Endicott team, by the way, that beat the ASC champion by 30 points earlier in the season. I know know that Harden-Simmons wasn't at full strength for that game, but that was a huge upset early on this year. And then we saw Cortland basically have to pray for a a missed field goal, which wasn't that far off. It was 37-yarder, pretty makeable kick. Grove City could have very easily been that team in the Stag Bowl. And then, you know, you had the week before, you had Susquehanna and Grove City, you know, fight real close down to the end. So I think even though everyone was saying that the the brackets were super lopsided, when you looked at the way the games played out, I disagree. Um, I thought, you know, it, would it be nice if, we, if there was more of a budget for travel? Yes. Maybe we'll see that in the offseason. Maybe we won't. But overall, we what we got to at the end and – I know that you were chatting with some of your friends like like JP on the sidelines there, and it was pretty obvious that the committee was like, we did a great job with this bracket. Look how great this game is. And you know what? They kind of deserve a little pat on the back for that. Maybe they were, you know, they were kind of pushing back at all the, you know, the, the social media trolls and all that type of thing. But um, what a fantastic tournament. And we got, a, you know, a game of a lifetime. And, and man, I was happy just to be there in person. Indeed. Uh, so a couple things here. First, stay tuned. We're going to have uh, also postseason awards uh, coming up on this show. We should probably should have said that earlier, but uh, I'm sure we'll say it in our uh, materials leading up to this uh, being published. Yeah. Uh, but um, also, uh, you, you talked about you know the future, and some of what cha- changes the future here a little bit is the transfer portal. Uh, and it's an uh, important part yeah. of what happens uh, in terms of uh, Division Three, especially, it's not just graduate students going and finding a, a different place for their 
fifth year or their last year of eligibility and all that stuff. Uh, you've got a lot of underclassmen yeah. that are using the transfer portal across the country, changing the nature uh, of you know certain teams along the way. I had the opportunity to interview Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, former governor of Massachusetts. And uh, you know, I asked him about his commitment to Division Three and also to the transfer portal. And he uh, brings up gambling, uh, which is, uh, seems to be what's trumping the focus right now in the NCAA. So let's go to that interview with Charlie Baker, which is inter uh, interrupted, uh, and you'll see kind of a transition, oddly, in this by the national anthem of the game, but we got it all through. President Baker, great to meet you. Great to see you in Salem. What brought you to the Division Three Championship game tonight? Well, first of all, it is the 50th year of uh, this championship, and there are actually a couple of guys here who played in the championship 50 years ago, which is terrific. And I, my wife and I have two kids who played D3 football, so we're big fans of D3 football. We're big fans of D3. You can see the energy behind Division Three, as you were saying. You know uh, firsthand. But a lot of people wonder what the Division Three commitment level is in the NCAA right now with the three plus percent that goes toward it, making sure that the brackets are fully played in an equal fashion compared to Division One type brackets, et cetera. What is the NCAA commitment moving forward for Division Three? Well, I've actually been talking to, I've met with all of the Division Three conferences since I took the job. I've been back meeting with a number of them for the second time. Um, and there's a whole series of initiatives we're going to pursue around stoking their fan base, uh, supporting them in terms of the purchase of supplies, gear, equipment, and all the rest. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for us to really raise the visibility of D3 in a pretty big way. And we're going to take full advantage of that because there's a ton of really great stuff that goes on in D3. Absolutely. The largest division in terms of schools, for sure. Also, uh, a question a lot of people have had is about the transfer uh, portal and how it's affecting Division Three in particular because it wasn't necessarily intended for a lot of shifting of underclassmen, I don't believe. Uh, the COVID year, it's helped a lot yep. of graduates for sure. But is the NCAA going to take a harder look at things once the COVID years are kind of done with next year and see how it's working, how it may be misaffecting or disaffecting certain divisions and what to do maybe moving forward? I think the big thing with the transfer portal is to recognize and understand that there were fewer student athletes who transferred the last couple of years than non-student athletes. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the classes of 24 and 25 they were looking at schools in the spring of 20 and 21, and most of them never even, a lot of them never even got to campus to check a school out. And a lot of the ones that did in 21, it was a very stilted visit. So I think you have a lot of kids that made a decision that for whatever reason wasn't the right one. They didn't get a chance to kick the tires, visit the school, get to know the people. And we shouldn't be surprised that a lot of them transferred as a result. Um, and I think one of the things I always try and keep in mind is, you know, what's going on with student athletes? Let's check and see what's going on with everybody else. Because in that particular age group, you know, there's a bunch of stuff where student athletes actually have a different set of uh, circumstances than the non-student athletes. The transfer issue is one. Another one is graduation rates. Student athletes graduated a higher rate than non-student athletes do. One of the other issues we took a look at was sports betting. And this is a, I'm very worried 
right about that one. Yep. And across all three divisions, um, we did a survey that was all 18 to 22 year olds because I was like, okay, we'll take a look at what's going on with student athletes, but let's see what's happening with their peers. 70% of the kids in that survey who were on campus bet on sports. So, and that was true across all three divisions. Yep. So I think we're going to have to do some work to make sure we educate kids about the fact that literally your classmates, your schoolmates, many of them are betting on college sports. And you need to be cognizant of that when you're just having the traditional conversations around the dining hall about what's going on with the team. Tougher job, Governor of Massachusetts or President of the NCAA? Oh, way tougher, this one. Um, it scales just enormous, and as you point out, between the 1,100 schools, you've got every kind of program you could possibly imagine. But uh, Governor was a job I literally wanted from the time I was a young man. I was thrilled and incredibly grateful I had the chance to, to be the governor of Massachusetts. But um, but I love I love what college sports does for kids. I love what it teaches them, and and I think it's really important in this tumultuous time that we find a way to help them work their way through it. I saw you take pictures of the shirtless crew from North Central. I'll be sending that to my kids. There you yeah. go, absolutely. Well, best of luck, happy holidays to you, and thank you for your time, and you're already doing some great things for the NCAA, all divisions, that is. We thank you for that because hey, you don't get enough you. appreciation. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. And go Union. Go Union. <laughs> Thanks again to everybody at the NCA that helped make that happen, as well as uh, J.J. Nekoloff of the ODAC and J.P. Williams of uh, the NCA Liaison, who made sure we were able to get that interview. Uh, it was a uh, very hectic pregame for all of us as we try to get a pregame yeah. show and the All-America <laughs> show and then clean up everything, then get an interview with Charlie Baker, then me changing off and getting back downstairs. But we made it happen. It was great, uh, everything. Yeah. J.B., just another Baker really guy concerned. on the show, you know. What do you? Yeah, <laughs> a little taller than you, actually. But what? Yeah, what are your thoughts taller. here? Transfer portal, you know, not I, so much a concern. Gambling, a concern, you know. At the Division Three level, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a gambler, so I, I don't really get that side of things. But I will say that for the first time, you know, I was really surprised because I. You know, I run our tip Twitter handle at D3FB Huddle, and it wasn't long after the kind of even into the playoffs. Once some of the the first round and the bowl games ended, you know, I saw guys from my alma mater who weren't finished with their degrees saying that they were going in the transfer portal. I've seen guys from your alma mater. We've seen um, you know other players throughout. Some of them of which are doing their graduate sort of fifth and final year, which makes sense. But more so than ever before, we're seeing across Division Three more individuals raising their hands saying, yeah, I'm putting my hat in the ring for the transfer portal. And that's not really what Division Three football is about, in my opinion. You're supposed to go to, you know, pick a school where you can get the degree and have, the, you know, the, the next 40 years of your life, um, you know, figured out from. Um, and it's going to be unfortunate if we start seeing, you know, like what's... I mean, obviously this wouldn't happen because of, of the national championship, but what if, like, Zach Boys was like, hey, I just won the most outstanding player of the Stag Bowl 50. I'm going to go into the transfer portal and try and play at Stony Brook. Or, I, I don't know. I mean, it just would defeat the purpose of what D3 really stands for. And um, I guess given maybe some of the 
I don't know, the regulatory or financial crime elements of, of gambling is a bigger, a bigger, you know, fish to fry, but I, I don't know. I, I would, I would like to see the, the whole transfer thing nipped in the bud, at least for D3 and maybe a better budget and a playoff expansion so that teams like Muhlenberg and Linfield and others could have been in this tournament and we could have really had a, you know, a, a broader array of teams. What will be interesting to see is the NCAA just got handed a a court defeat uh, about the double transfer scenario, a second transfer not being allowed, and the court actually ruled against the NCAA on that. Uh, Whether or not the NCAA appeals will be telling as to what their commitment to the transfer portal being kind of the all-available scenario or not is, ultimately. We'll find out soon on that, but uh, I'm watching that uh, case uh, kind of intently to see what the next moves for the NCA are in that respect. One other thing I want to talk about, um, you know, watch what you wish for sometimes because you might just get it. And so uh, we were getting pinged and harassed uh, to a certain degree by a uh, Twitter account and then some, uh, let's say, burner accounts along the way that were claiming to show (sighs) that North Central especially, but possibly others, had illegal access to, uh, let's say, uh, sideline calls or signals or uh, a whole bunch of things, especially that with the whole Michigan thing, and uh, was uh, Mm. showing a huddle uh, compilation that sort of, they believe, proved that happened. Here's the reality. Yeah. Here's what you proved. And they were like, oh, you'll never report on this. No, no, we're going to report on it right now. We're going to report on exactly what the problem is. And it ain't North Central, folks. It's that ass that decided to go on Twitter and put all this up and show the video of the back end of North Central's huddle account. Okay. The person that's created an illegal activity is that person or whoever went in and hacked into the Huddle account for North Central at the end of the day. Yeah. Huddle, uh, apparently, Come I've on, talked man. to Coach Spencer about this. Uh, Huddle has not been, let's say, fully cooperative yet, but uh, they have contacted them to, uh, to North Central. Uh, they found out about this around Friday morning at 10 a.m. Probably not the greatest time to have that happen, obviously, with a game just hours away that was the national championship. Uh, They are not making any excuses about it. They're just saying, matter-of-factly, clearly there was an intention to knock them off their game uh, by somebody out there. And they changed their passwords and Mm -hmm. everything else uh, out there. And they are are investigating who hacked into their uh, huddle account. Now, here's the reality. They make no bones about the idea they had Cortland's uh, game films, all of them, pretty much, uh, from the season. Cortland, I think, had four of uh, North Central's game films. So there's an imbalance there. That's not the fault of North Central. They gained access, rightfully and legally, to Cortland's game films. Go look at the teams that provided them as probably the question mark as to why they would provide all the video and maybe create an imbalance in that situation. But it's not illegal. In this respect, if you get access to the video, you have access to the video. These are baseline huddle videos, okay. folks. These are not videos of some guy uh, going on the sideline shooting a video of the uh, sideline of an opponent and everything to c- catch signals. That's not what this was. And so nothing illegal about the video itself. 
you know, again, Cortland's opponents that had access to these videos that you hand them over, maybe rethink that because you got to assume that they were East Region or yeah. Region 2 opponents. What are you gaining by handing North Central possibly those videos or whoever else it might be out there that did this? What are you gaining from it? It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, again, nothing against North Central having it and, you know, doing what they should do, which is try to get every advantage they can get legally in this whole thing. But, yeah. you know, question, question the teams that are handing over video like that because conferences have rules against that in certain cases. If it was a conference uh, team, stuff like that bothers me. But what bothers me more is somebody downright crashing into somebody's huddle account and acting like, oh, look, they've broken all these rules and it, it, it's so much different when you don't have a, a cheating advantage, North Central. Bull. That wasn't what happened here. And whoever's perpetuating it should be looked into by the authorities because you don't have rights to that access in North Central's huddle account or anybody else's for that matter out there. What were you thinking when you saw all this stuff play out? Well, I, it just it just seemed so ridiculous, and um, the this individual was so um, certain that that they were right, and you know they were like, oh, yeah, just. And it's funny. I, you know, we asked a coach that we know about it, and he's like, in Division Three, there's, you know, there's film, and you know, this is not, a, this is not a real issue. I mean, the the issue was the kind of the criminal activity that was going on of breaking in, kind of going in through the back end. Um, you know, the the sign thing is, I mean. If you watch a D3 game, there are you know shots of the sideline, and yeah, I guess if you can decipher a few things and more power to you. Um, but yeah, the whole thing was just ridiculous. Once again, another thing that really shouldn't be in D3, but apparently in this day and age with technology and all that and kind of the, the trolling that happens on social media, it's just kind of part and parcel of what, what we have to deal with now. Well, as I said, uh, the investigation continues. Uh, Huddle uh, has not been fully responsive as to uh, North Central's requests yet. Uh, hopefully, maybe uh, us mentioning it might get them on their horse finally and riding here because Huddle has a minor monopoly, uh, some people feel, out there uh, with yeah. uh, this type of stuff. Uh, and they are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. So one would hope they're providing a secure environment uh, for this film and everything else. And so whether or not they did or didn't accomplish that here, you would hope that they would help provide IP addresses and other information that can uh, lead to law enforcement finding whoever did this. And I have a feeling yeah. at the end of the day, North Central will find out who did this because they should, honestly, for everybody's sake, not yeah. just their own. It's everybody that if somebody has a bone to pick, they're going to try to, uh, this technique. Or if somebody wants to make some quick money and say, hey, hey, 500 bucks, I'll give you the uh, video of blank and blank uh, playing each other. Uh, okay, suddenly a cottage industry with an illegal activity like that, that's not appropriate. But they've got to make sure no. that nobody else gets affected like this uh, in that situation. Okay, let's go to uh, the best of uh, D3 here instead of the worst of uh, D3 in those moments. Um, we are going to name our players of the year and coach of the year here. Now, we have two rules here when we do this, and so let's say them up front. One, we are not tied to 
uh, first team All America teams and stuff like that, like D3 football is. So we're going to make a, a decision based on kind of the entirety of the season without looking at the lists that have come out already. Also, we tend to try to avoid duplication of D3 football's list because we feel like we're an additional layer of awards. And it's not to say we don't believe in these Spread names the that we're about to reveal. Yep. But, it, it, you know, you'll say, uh, let me throw this out there right now. Kurt Fitzpatrick is not our coach of the year in our list. It's nothing against Kurt Fitzpatrick. He knows we think he's one of the greatest coaches ever yeah. the way this whole thing played out. But we also want to pay homage to somebody else uh, in the postseason awards that deserves it too. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off on that. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we, we're trying to kind of expand upon, you know, with 241 teams across Division Three. there's just there's too many people, uh, and there's not enough uh, ways for folks to get recognized. So we, we kind of go a little bit out of our way to try to say, okay, well, if, if uh, so-and-so is this player of the year for D3Football.com, well, let's find somebody else who's either this, you know, as, as deserving or maybe wouldn't necessarily have gotten all the awards because, you know, there are certain cutoffs with that publication um, that we don't have to deal with because, you know, we're sort of just flying, you know, by the seat of our pants and under the radar and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, we like to sort of expand it out because there's so many um, great players and people that are in uh, this, this division that we just kind of want to spread the love a little more. And it's, it's been a couple of years, I think, since we've done this, but it felt after this season, um, particularly it just, it, it, it's our 15th year. Let's, uh, you know, let's put it out there and, and take it for what it is. So let's start with coach of the year since we uh, kind of, uh, you know, gave a little hint there. Uh, our coach of the year uh, for 2023, Andrew DiDonato head coach of Grove City College. He led uh, his team to their first ever pack championship and regular season undefeated record. Uh, they got a playoff win as well uh, over then number nine Susquehanna and highest final season ranking, uh, which was number 10 in program history. Uh, four and one in one score games this season. Only loss was to eventual national champs, Cortland 25-24. We know about the field goal uh, or the missed field goal in that attempt. Yep. Uh, coached uh, and developed multiple Wolverines to all-conference, all-region, all-America award winners, and uh, 4-0 in EC bowl, ECAC bowl games prior to this, 5-1 overall in postseason appearances since taking over an 0-10, uh, 0-33 GCC team, let's say, way back when. Mm. Andrew DiNanato, our coach of the year, any other thoughts you want to provide? Yeah, well, and if you listen to the uh, D3 Football Around the Nation podcast, this is where I kind of alluded to, you know, Coach DiDonato being my 1B. I mean, obviously, Coach Fitz with the national championship and the job that he did certainly deserves it. But when you look at sort of the, the broader perspective of, of everything, what Coach DiDonato has done for the Wolverines at Grove City, um, not just this year, but in, in you know, leading up to, has been really impressive. And so that's why we wanted to give him this recognition for the amazing job that he's done uh, out there in Grove City. Offensive player of the year. Uh, somebody that probably played his way into it on Stag Bowl night. Junior quarterback Zach Boys of Cortland. He was named the most outstanding player of Stag Bowl 50s. Shocking. Uh, finished season with 4,020 <laughs> passing yards, 44 passing touchdowns, just five interceptions. 
He was named uh, the Empire 8 Outstanding Player of the Year, D3Football.com, Region 2 Offensive uh, Player of the Year, first team All-Region quarterback on that list, and also third team All-American on their national list. Uh, So, uh, you know, Pat Coleman did state after the fact that they will reconsider or uh, reposition him versus Luke Lanin in the uh, preseason poll or preseason All-America teams next year based on the performance. That's fair. Uh, But again, Zach Boys, you watch a maturation of quarterback before your very eyes, especially in those last two games, uh, I would say uh, just somebody that was playing mistake-free football and getting his team into positions behind the eight ball you know, pushing them forward into first downs when you thought all might be lost in certain situations, JB. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, that fourth and five play uh, might have been where the game really turned. And, you know, being there in person, it was pretty obvious that while Luke had a, a very good game and he might have very well kept his team in the game for, especially in the second half with some of the plays that he made, Boys was the better quarterback that day, and um, you know, just got to give him credit for that. And he, you know, certainly had the compliment of a of a strong offensive line that blocked really well for him, um, and uh, just a three great receivers that that opened up things that I mean, any quarterback would would love to have that kind of talent um, on the receiving end. So hey, you know, I, once again. Uh, just an outstanding performance by Zach, and we're we're happy that we get to call him our offensive player of the year. Um, you know, like I said, sometimes being being late, <laughs> the last the last man standing sometimes has its advantages. Let's go to defensive player of the year, somebody that deserved more love, we think, because he was a leader of his defense, mm. and statistically, maybe it doesn't show the gaudiest of numbers, but he was kind of the monkey wrench of all sorts uh, for that uh, Trinity team, and that should give it away to you. Caleb Harmel, uh, the graduate linebacker of Trinity, Texas, is our defensive player of the year. He was first team all-region linebacker for Region 3, finalist for the Cliff Harris Award. Uh, He was the SAA uh, Defensive Player of the Year, first team all-SAA linebacker. Finished the season with 75 total tackles, including 15 for loss, five sacks in that as well, three interceptions, nine pass deflections, and a forced fumble. Scored one offensive touchdown, that fake punt uh, that we all remember, and a defensive touchdown, pick six on the season. Finished his career with 287 total tackles, 39 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, 8 interceptions, 21 pass deflections, 6 forced fumbles, and 3 block kicks. But again, numbers don't tell you the whole story of Caleb Harmel, I don't think. And what are your thoughts on him? Well, I got to see him play live in person um, in Georgia, and he has closing speed that reminded me of some of the stuff I got to see when I lived in Los Angeles and would go to USC games. Now, he's not necessarily as big as a Division I linebacker would be, but when you see how quickly he gets to the ball, I mean, as far as anything I saw in person and or on film, you know, he just has a special next gear and a level of talent that will... You know, we, we might be talking about him in some you know form of professional um, situation in the in the coming years. You know, it's it's tougher for D three guys to make that jump to even get the looks. But um, Caleb was something else, and we we kind of found out whether by accident or otherwise that he was basically kind of 
just left off the ballot for the AFCA All-American team. It was some kind of clerical error or something. Um, he should have been a, a first team or at least a second team All-American there. Uh, just that oversight is, is disappointing. But um, we, we wanted to at least give him credit for a, a great season, an outstanding career. And as far as you know, what I saw in person, he's a really special player, and I think he deserves this award. Next up, Special Teams Player of the Year in Division Three, And uh, kind of off the board on this one, but uh, well justified. Good pick. I think uh, JB found this. I looked around. I'm like, absolutely. Uh, this is a difference maker for sure. And that's what you're looking for in these uh, awards, to say the least. James Maltino. The senior wide receiver and kick returner for Aurora is the special teams player of the year for 2023 of In the Huddle. Uh, he was the NAC first team all-conference kick returner, D3Football.com, first team all-region and all-American kick returner. Finished the season with 899 combined punt and kickoff return yards, scoring three punt returns for touchdowns. Uh, he added two rushing, two receiving touchdowns as a wide receiver for the Spartans and finished his career with over 2,000 return yards and five return TDs. But that's a difference maker. That's somebody that turns a game around when you're starting to lose momentum. Three punt returns for touchdowns. I got to see one in all the games I went to, all 19 games I went to this season. I only got to witness one punt return for a touchdown all season long. Zero kickoff returns. So it should tell you how special a number like that is. And James Martino for our special teams player of the year. Your thoughts? Well, you know, he's just another part reason why the Spartans have gone undefeated the last couple of seasons and been the defending NACC champs. You know, they've, they've done well in the playoffs, and, and you really have to have the, the full complement offense, defense, and special teams to, to make these kind of um, regular season and, and playoff runs. So he really stood out to me. I think there was only one player in the nation that had more total yardage. Um, but I think that was a situation that was helped by the fact that their team lost by a pretty large margin, and so they had a lot of extra, um, you know, return attempts. Uh, so it sort of just stood out to me when you looked at the sort of the broader spectrum. And, you know, I was initially thinking a kicker might be it, but it just seemed like with this guy's statistics and just, like you said, the game-changing elements of a, of a kick return touchdown that, that Motino made the most sense for our special teams player of the year. Finally, we do a rookie of the year as well, uh, a player that uh, is either freshman or a newcomer into a system, and uh, this is a, a great pick, I think, uh, in terms of watching him firsthand uh, on a couple of occasions for me. And uh, we are going to give uh, this award to Cole Crotty, the freshman wide receiver from Johns Hopkins. Finished the season with 75 catches for 1,053 yards and nine touchdowns. Named the Centennial Conference Rookie of the Year as well as the first team all-conference uh, wide receiver. Uh, had seven games with a catch of at least 35 yards or longer and came up big in key conference games like catching 10 passes for 123 yards against Muhlenberg. <laughs> Was there for that. Uh, having uh, six catches, including one for 86 yards for 126 yards total and one touchdown against Dickinson in what was necessary in that game because uh, that was a fight as well. But uh, again, Cole Crotty, our Rookie of the Year in 2023 for In the Huddle. You know, final thoughts on him, and we'll uh, go to questions. Well, you know, and this this speaks to the the Blue Jays' ability to recruit, recruit nationally, right? Because he's from Hermosa Beach, California, um, one of those kind of suburban beach towns in Los Angeles. Um, 
think he went to Miracosta High School, which is a school that my my cousins used to go to. They used to live down there in, in Hermosa as well. And so um, just a, a great season. I mean, uh, I think statistically he's in the top 20 as far as receiving yards. Um, and he was the only uh, freshman uh, that, that I could see anyway that was even close. But the, the impact, these, these 80, he had a 75-yard touchdown catch against Westcon in the first round of the playoffs when the Blue Jays were sort of half asleep at the wheel in the first half. He just has an ability to get behind the defense. And we did not see m- many, if any, other um, first-year players have such a big impact on their team as he did um, as far as you know, offensive um, scoring, deep threat type production. Yep, indeed. So there we have it, our uh, players of the year and coach of the year. Uh, and congratulations to everybody there. And uh, I wish we could have named a lot more players because there were some special performances across Division Absolutely. Three. Let's go now to uh, questions uh, here. And uh, let's uh, start with uh rambo's carving knife uh again the pritzker <laughs> gun uh hey uh, you know a love and hate relationship i'm sure for everybody uh what team will be affected uh the most by fifth year departures um so he doesn't know if he'll be able to listen until around may so if this is may i hope the weather's better for you but uh you know yep. too soon as a north central fan but uh who's gonna be affected most by fifth year departures uh trinity i i, I think hands mm-hmm. down trinity uh, Tucker Horn, Caleb Harmel, and a, a host of others. Uh, you're lo- losing kind of class. the anchors of your offense and defense, and those were fifth years. Uh, any any others jump to your mind? Um, at that at that level, no. I mean, I, I just recall you know Trinity having one of the biggest fifth year senior classes. I mean, I, I imagine there's probably some others out there, but as far as national contenders go. Um, that one really stands out. I mean, North Central is going to lose a few you know, players here and there to graduation. A couple of the wide receivers for Cortland are, are graduating as well, like, like Burgess and Lapp. Those, those guys are going to be really hard to, to replace. But, yeah, the, I, I think from a, a national perspective, Trinity is the, the main answer there. Fox Lane Football asks us, in your experience seeing other teams crack through, how does the Cortland win change the course of the program? Recruiting, expectations, et cetera, maybe more of a question for Coach, but what have you seen over the years on the changing of dynamics within a program? Well, we asked him, if you saw the interview earlier, about you know the downside of playoffs is that yeah. you're not on the road with the other teams uh, for recruiting. The pro of winning is your inbox fills up suddenly with those high school recruits saying, hey, I'm interested after all. And so it's and a pretty forgiving, yes, a forgiving situation for sure. So obviously it helps. And you go back to that interview to see a little bit more from him on how he feels it affects. Um, look, North Central's been to four straight stag bowls now. Obviously it's helping recruiting for them and getting transfers for them. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. this stuff does begin to mount. Aurora. How has Aurora become, you know, this, uh, you know, perennial playoff team suddenly after not really hearing from them that much before Don Beebe got there? Clearly, it's helping them in terms of playoff run. Uh, You know, there's so many different examples. Whitewater, how did they become the elite team in the WIAC or WIAC back when? Clearly, Mm -hmm. it helps continue rolling the ball and even going further back, Mount Union. Clearly, 
winning a national championship got them to a point where they were repeatedly in the game and in the conversation. So this helps. Do you have to do it again or at least get close to it again for it to have a permanent effect? Absolutely. One-hit wonders do exist as well. And so that's going to lead us to our next question. If you don't mind, I'm going to go to question number two here uh, on this line. From Mama's Only Son, with two N's. That might be Cole Burgess. I'm just gonna just gonna tell you right now. Uh, can Cortland repeat? He asks. And so bulking these two questions together, go ahead, JB. Can Cortland repeat? And you know what? What do you think it does to recruiting in the meantime? Well, I, I definitely think that um, Cortland's going to get a huge boost in recruiting. Um, they've got a lot lot of going for them. So they've they've had the five weeks of extra practice. They've had the national exposure of being on, you know, tel- on a televised game, winning the championship in a state that, and in a region that's, you know, pretty um, competitive, football rich, uh, and, and, you know, as a state university, they're very cost effective compared to some other uh, D3 uh, schools and, and universities out there. So they're going to have a, a very compelling story to tell. And um, with certain graduations, there will be opportunities for uh, some high-level recruits to, you know, get get in and have a have an opportunity. Uh, can Cortland repeat? Well, according to Fran Elia, um, two of their best receivers were lost for the season, and that's where you know guys like Joey Adiabo. Um, I'm saying that one wrong. Idivio. Right? Can you correct me, Frank? Idivio. Idivio. You got it. Right. Joey Idivio stepped up and, and made a play, but but you know at the same time. Um, yeah, why why not? I mean, they'll they'll still be the favorite to win the Empire Eight if they punch their ticket to the playoffs. As they've proven, anything is possible. Maybe they'll get a home game or two instead of being sent on the road so much. I mean, that's really when you when you step away from it. The most incredible element of this um, Cortland run is that they really had to do it as a, a really low seed for what they accomplished. Um, I guess it goes to show you that you know. If you lose a regular season game, you make your playoff run that much more difficult. But even the national champs had to go on the road. Um, the defending national champs, now the former champs, uh, I guess. Uh, it's going to be weird to, to think of it that way. But um, there you have it. Steve St. John, who might be asking for a friend as well, uh, asks uh, this yeah. question. What is uh, the likelihood of playoff field expanding to 40 teams for the 2024 season? What is the procedure and timeline for decision on playoff expansion? What are arguments against expansion? First off, the chances of it happening in 2024 are buckets. Uh, but it's uh, something that could happen in a couple of years. It's going to have to go to a floor vote, a full floor vote uh, for the NCAA convention. Uh, and involved probably the presidents of the uh, NCAA schools, member schools. Uh, obviously, there are costs to doing this. There's additional games to uh, be hosted and travel to be paid for. Even if it's not airplane travel, it's still something the NCAA has to pay for in these situations. Yep. Buses, hotels, etc. So, there are downsides. Now, with new March Madness money coming in, uh, or the expectation of it, it may help put some more money in the D3 coffers to make this happen. But remember, that is coffers for all D3 sports, not just for football. So that doesn't necessarily mean much yet. But 
long story short, it could happen in 2025. It's going to have to get through some hurdles in the NCAA uh, hierarchy, and we hope it does. We hope we get to a point where we have the ability to shift to 42 or 44 or 48 if we continue to expand down the line, although I'm not so optimistic we end up with that many new Division three football schools because of the cost and because of the, let's say, consolidation of schools we're seeing nationally still occurring post-COVID. We'll see where this goes, but uh, I know you want to see expanded playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you'll have to remind me, Frank, maybe we'll get uh, an extra pool C bid because I, you know, I know the ECFC is basically kind of dissolved. Um, do they become a pool? Does that become a pool B situation? So there's five, you know, um, and with teams that are joining um, in the last couple of years, maybe that maybe that helps. But still, yeah, I mean, it would be great if it happened in 24. But the reality of how things like the NCAA move, it's it's going to take a little longer. We just will have to hope that. Uh, you know, we get uh, as, as many deserving teams in as we can for, you know, while we can, I guess. Yeah, you got to watch uh, what happens between the ECFC, the MASCAC, the Little East uh, possibilities, the ASC, mm-hmm. and the SCAC, and the timing of it all to see how many at-larges we end up with. Yeah. So things are definitely fluid right now. I can't tell you how many at-larges we'll have officially next year because things are still changing right now. So we'll see. It's either going to be three, four, or five. We know that much. Probably four for one more year, but we'll find out the hard way probably uh, very soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, uh, Anton Koff will uh, get to his, uh, actually on Twitter, because it uh, is, can you put uh, into three tiers, uh, five teams per tier, Close is close. Need uh, that need that it factor that are closer to pulling a 2023 Cortland. We'll we'll think about that. Get back to him on that one. But Cowboy Two says here's a few favorite out of conference game, conference game, and playoff game you attended this past year. I guess that's more to me because I attended uh, conference game. Johns Hopkins Muhlenberg. Clearly, uh, th- that was just yeah. bizarre and crazy all at the same time. <laughs> Favorite out-of-conference game, Stag Bowl 50. Favorite playoff game, Stag Bowl 50. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, not even mince words here. Yep. Um, it's a playoff game, and it qualifies as out-of-conference as well. And you're, you're not going to find a better game in the playoffs, honestly, from start to finish. And even close games that existed didn't have that start-to-finish real anxiety, excitement factor to different games on either side of the half, but both of them incredibly well-played games on either side of the half. I mean, that that's why the Stag Bowl, uh, Stag Bowl 50 stands out the way it does. Um, any fault in that uh, before I move on? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, my, I guess my favorite um, conference game probably was the, was the Barry Trinity one. That was fantastic. I mean, I was there for that. Um, but like you said, Stag Bowl 50 is going to be hard to top for a long time. Favorite non-football play memory made while experiencing the 2023 season? Uh, watching Cortland in the victory uh, was something for me. Uh, my, my best memory really from it was seeing Ashton Capone uh, kind of 
meandering, trying to find somebody to hug and kind of crying uh, in midfield <laughs> after the game. And I went up to him since I uh, know his brother Peyton, who plays for Boston Spa. Ashton's the Saratoga Springs uh, product, mm. but um, he uh, his family had moved over to Boston Spa School District now. Um, and uh, giving him a hug to congratulate him because obviously getting that first down, it's a long road. He's in the shadows of Jaden final St. John, obviously, but still quite a running back when he was a huge Section 2 yeah. force here when he was in Section 2 in high school football. And just giving him that hug and watching everything go on, I was in some level of tears. You know, we were trying to remain unbiased. I get it, but we admitted it in the pregame show that after 20 years of fighting for the reputation of East Region, Region 2, and upstate New York college football in Division 3, this watching come to fruition was surreal right in front of us. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's funny because I, I texted uh, Coach Craig, whose birthday it was, I think, either the day of or, or the uh, – day before the stag bowl and he he said to me enjoy watching Cortland win um you know so he he kind of called it early on and i think for me really this this trip this experience was kind of a culmination of many years of being involved with d3 football and and it was funny um you know i kind of ran into um pat coleman while he was kind of you know pulling his little uh you know audio stuff for the for the game call and i was like Hey Pat, you know, and he's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going, JB?" And I'm like, and I, I don't think he realized it. And I, I kind of told him after the fact that it's kind of weird when you sort of know some. I've known him, you know, through the D3 football world for over 20 something years. I don't remember when I first discovered D3Football.com, but I started off as kind of a post, you know, doing the post boards, like the post patterns, and then you know, I've kind of been doing this for the last 15 years. But he and I had never actually met in person. Same thing with Keith McMillan and Greg Thomas. Like all these people that have been involved with you know covering D three football for all these years, we've only real you know known each other sort of virtually. And to, to finally kind of be there with everyone in person and that sort of the roundtable experience after the Stag Bowl and Mac and Bob's. You know, with the D3 photography guys behind us with Fran across the way, um, meeting some of the NCAA folks that we've uh, dealt with. That, to me, was probably my favorite memory of finally, you know, connecting all the dots and sort of coming full circle, as it were, for the 50th anniversary of the Stag Bowl. Indeed. And I, I think in tr trying to look back uh, generally, and we'll, we'll get to Cowboy uh, Two's uh, last question uh, on Twitter itself, because it's another list question. But... Um, Looking mm -hmm. at looking back, I mean, the culmination of a chalk season into a non-chalk winner in the way this played out. It, yeah. it, that game was a tale of two games around halftime. The season was just a tale of two seasons, ultimately. Chalk, chalk, chalk all the way. A couple upsets here and there. Not much to talk about. Three weeks straight with nobody uh, leaving the top 25. That's unheard of. And then mm. suddenly, Boom. Things are starting to fall apart all over the place. Grove City beating Susquehanna in the way that it happened there. Then, you know, almost taking down Cortland. Didn't get there. Alma taking down Mount Union uh, the way they did. Lacrosse challenging very uh, closely. North Central. Uh, but then ultimately Cortland doing the job uh, in the whole thing. Nothing was certain the way Cortland just took down Randolph-Macon. Uh, I mean, things were just getting wacky in the playoffs. And so... Yeah. 
to to have that ending after what was kind of becoming a yawner of a season in certain ways, even though we had some exciting endings, <laughs> Hopkins, Muhlenberg, for instance. Yeah. Uh, this was, I think, an important ending to keep everybody interested. The ratings eight percent higher this year for the Stag Bowl on television, uh, and you know people hmm. are saying, "Don't move, move it off Friday night. You got to find another uh, time slot for it." Why? It's in prime time on a good. bar type yeah. of night National where people television. are going to watch it. Yeah. You're not going to flip on the night game independently and be like, oh, the Stag Bowl's on, honey, if you're not a Division three person. But if you go to a bar, there's only two college football games on the FCC, uh, yeah, FCC, the FCS uh, semifinal and the Stag Bowl. And one is a 50-something to zero blowout of Albany. And one is, yeah. This back and forth, oh my God, how many touchdowns did they score in this half? Six is the answer, I believe it was, uh, ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in one it's, half of football. It's funny. So the guys I play with Sorry. in my band all went, yeah, so the guys I play in my band with um, are all went to big, you know, we have Florida, Alabama, and Penn State. And so uh, the Penn State grad is our drummer, Chris. He was texting me during the game. He's like, "Oh my God, this is incredible! Like, I, I put the game on. I'm I'm now the biggest fan of D3 football. You know, a lot of a lot of people who are used to sort of the the politics and the money and all that of, of big college football don't necessarily give D3 a chance. But when when you do and you see a product like that, you go, "Holy smokes! Like, what a great game! So you know, at least I know I converted uh, <laughs> somebody over with that one." As you heard at the end of the uh, uh, Fitzpatrick interview, I gave him the uh, number 50 jacket there uh, from yeah, uh, the Sparkle yeah. Man situation. Sparkle uh, the man, the yeah. team will be signing it uh, during their banquet later on uh, after uh, the new year, and we'll be auctioning it off, uh, and the money raised cool. will go to cancer research. Uh, so uh, for awesome. a second, he thought I was giving it to him, but also he would never fit in that thing compared to <laughs> my medium. He's no medium, folks. He's, and, he's a big uh, guy. <laughs> He's, but, uh, you know, a very a good guy, very nice guy. And when I told yeah, him what the intention absolutely. was, he's like, oh, my God, without hesitation, we'll do that. So good for him, good for Great. his team. Uh, you know what, Cortland, hats off to you. Uh, and for what you've done to the hearts and minds of Division three football players across the region and country, for that matter, to, to let them know yeah. they have a chance, legitimately have a chance to win a, a championship now, it's – Special, okay. North North Central had knocked on the door a couple times before they got their first one. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor, uh, they they kind of proved that money and support behind a new football program in Texas can make it happen. That doesn't take away from it. It yep. just it's it's kind of a different realm from what most of the rest of the country can do. And you look at Mount Union. Well, Texas football is its own thing. <laughs> yep. Mount Union, for a little while, may have been like Cortland to, to show people somebody else could uh, suddenly out of nowhere move in. But, you know, obviously they became the machine uh, and everything else. Mm-hmm. This is just something that we haven't ourselves in our 16 years or my 28 overall witnessed in a way like this. So it's special and it will never be forgotten regardless what happens next year. Enjoy it while you can. I know you'll be working toward what's next uh, in the meantime, but... Enjoy it over your holidays, uh, Cortland fans. Enjoy your holidays, everybody out there. JB, hope that your family has a great holiday season. Uh, and I'm sure Thanks. we'll uh, get together in February at some point uh, to maybe talk about some of the 
changes in coaching and other ideas and thoughts of uh, Division Three uh, when I probably invade your kitchen as uh, we try to do annually uh, on this show. So, so it goes. last yeah. thoughts on the uh, 2023 season, Stag Bowl, or anything else, sir? No, I just think it's been a it's been a, a fantastic 15th year for us. Uh, it was a fantastic 2023 football season for for Division Three. Um, like you said, a lot of chalk early on, but we did have these little glimpses of these big upsets that happened. Kind of some of these crazy plays, like the field goal that Will Leger ran in for the score with with Hopkins. I mean, there have been some some really memorable moments, and I think those are the things that, that will stand out over the test over time to kind of stand the test of time and it's why you know you and i keep coming back to uh, to do this it's because of uh the people um the games and just the just the overall sort of experience that uh, division three football provides and we thank all of you um listeners viewers fans even the ones who like to heckle us on, on social media and give us a hard time Deservedly so. Sometimes we, we do uh, we do trip over ourselves, but that makes the interactions fun. And um, you know, thank you, Frank, for putting all this stuff together. Um, you know, with all the production and, and all that, it's it's definitely a much heavier lift than I could ever pull off. And I will say that going to three games this year, that I have a new appreciation of the the miles <laughs> that you must put on during a season. You're probably going to need to sleep straight through New Year's after all the all the driving and every place that you've been. But um, thanks for making this 15th year and 16th season such a memorable one. And thanks everybody for who's watched and um, you know cheered us along or even given us a hard time um, over the course of this. Uh, that's part of why we do it. And um, happy holidays, everyone. I can see over here. I've got a giant pile of presents that my wife and I are going to have to get into at some point. <laughs> so here we go. Well, listen, uh, the, the best moments for me are when we go to games or, you know, well, Zach Boyd's on the sideline. During a stag bowl, it's like, JB's here. <laughs> I mean, it's like when people identify us in that manner as if we matter in this whole thing, it's something that we are humbled by to, to even be a little part of all this stuff and the excitement that comes with it. So, it's been a great season. The 19 games I got to go to, uh, ultimately ending with the Stag Bowl, uh, was, you know, you, you look back at every one of them with, with memories. Uh, even, I mean, your sinus uh, Muhlenberg, I remember on that Friday night, and then flying to North Central, uh, or to Wheaton, excuse me, uh, versus North Central the next day. And you have memories from both those types of games. And you also get the cat calls from the crowd and everything else uh, along the way. And you know what? You laugh, you acknowledge it to a degree, you move on and provide the coverage that we're supposed to provide to the student athletes because that's why we do it. And I hope we uh, accomplish that for you folks this season, uh, this year. Again, happy holidays to everybody. Be safe. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us here on the 2023 portion of season 16 of In the Huddle. <laughs>